Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 832 podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about relationships with myself, yourself, and being introspective today for some of our our conversation. And today, we have Pastor Tammy from Legacy Church, and she's the children's pastor, as well as the founder of the See Yourself the Way God Sees You Bible Study Group. And with this, I'd like to ask the first question. What does the Bible say about self-love, self-esteem, or self-confidence? Well, hi, Ethan. Good to be here um, and talk with you today. I love it. Um, you know, the, the, actually, the Bible has a lot to say about um, loving yourself. We're supposed to love God and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So God must be in favor of us loving ourselves. Um, the Bible says in Psalm 139 that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and which implies um, God does not make stuff that is not fearfully and wonderfully made, and that it's okay for us to like and love ourselves. And um, with that comes a lot of value, with that comes a lot of worth. Um, the Bible is really laced from Genesis to Revelation about how God feels about his people causes children, causes family, causes brothers and sisters. Um, and then he did the ultimate act in laying down his life um, in the form of his son, Jesus, for us, which demonstrated, he didn't just talk about it in the word of God, but he demonstrated it through um, that incredible sacrifice of his son. So the Bible says a lot about love and about how we can love ourselves. And that brings esteem, that brings confidence. And um, things that I have learned over the years, I guess, personally, um, my self-esteem and my worth and what I try to communicate with other people is that it must come from our knowledge of who Jesus is, first of all, and the assurance of that love and that constant care. So to have the knowledge gives us assurance of that. And and first of all, like I said, we were fearfully and wonderfully made. So we were, the Bible also says we were made in God's image, right? Right. And Jesus personally cares about us. So we are, uh, we are worthy of unconditional love. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, no matter what I don't do or what I don't say, I am worthy of unconditional love through the son of Jesus. Um, and that God has a plan for my life. And that brings... Um, that brings knowledge and that brings assurance of his love and care. I think, and my husband and I, we talk about this with our own, our own two sons growing up. I think a healthy self-esteem isn't grounded in what you're good at. You know, like you're, oh man, you're so good at sports or music or you're so pretty or you have so much money or, you know, it's not, it's not grounded in one's strengths or, or abilities. We, we can never actually find true love true value by what comparing ourselves to other people but why is it that's exactly the easiest thing to do is to compare ourselves to others you know we will always come along other people who are prettier smarter have more money more athletic right. um, they they've just got it more together than than us that's inevitable right mm -hmm. so all the more at least i found that to be true for me all the more reason that I have to go back to the knowledge that I have um, of who Jesus is. Who is Jesus to me? 
When I think about that, when I read it in scripture, when I hear it over and over again, when I see it modeled in other people's lives that I, who I admire and who are in my, in my tribe um, cheering me on, it gives me great assurance and, and confidence of his love and his care in my life. So yeah, the Bible's laced with self-love, confidence, esteem, but it doesn't come from anything that I'm good at or that you're good at. Doesn't come from um, my desire to be like other people. Um, it comes ultimately from believing, believing what the Word of God says about God, right. believing it and living it out. Uh, that that's actually a bit of a different thing that we normally hear, like you know, in, in the world, it's like you know, the, like us, uh, you know, self confidence and like the right kind of confidence is being like able to understand where you stand on things mm -hmm. and stuff like i'm good at this i'm bad at this and that's okay whereas with this how i understand it is you know you find true confidence and uh, true self-worth when you understand you know who jesus was and god and like i am worthy because god says so that's or right. I am worthy because, you know, I am made in God's image. Because God loves me, I should love her. You got it. You don't need me to answer these questions, Ethan. You got it. And I, 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 that's actually a really neat thing. Normally, you know, that, that's not what we hear. We hear, you know, you know, understanding where you're good at, looking at yourself and being like, I'm good at this, I'm bad at this. You know, I'm good at instruments. I'm good at uh, playing music on instruments, but I just suck at singing mm -hmm. you know and how we you know are kind of trained in society and stuff it, to look at our confidence is to understand what we are good at and being okay with what we are and aren't good at yeah i believe and i can stand on this i believe that someone who doesn't have musical ability somebody who doesn't have athletic ability somebody who doesn't have any arms or legs and maybe maybe was in a terrible accident and, and they're not pretty to look at, they don't have a dime to their name, can still have confidence, can still have self-confidence, can still love themselves when they know how God feels about them. Right, it's like That's, even when you're in a situation where you can't do anything, yeah. You know, you're still worth something. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You can play all the musical instruments and you can play all the sports and be really good at, you know, name it. And, you, and you've got the skill um, or people skills off the chart or, and be gorgeous and have gobs of money. But that doesn't increase um, the amount of love that God has for you. Doesn't increase the value that he has in you. And while we're on this confidence roll, when does confidence turn into pride? Because <laughs> we know that pride is, you know, like we, we look at that and it's like that is the worst, worst yeah. Yeah. seven deadly sins. Yeah. So God, God is not a fan of arrogance. God's not a fan of, of pride. Um, I think that... Um, when 
I mean, we're, you and I are trying to live for Christ in a world where me is first. That's promoted a lot. Living for Christ in a me first world. So I, I want to say that the line of, of having love and confidence and esteem in oneself and, and being so confident, so, um, you know, it's all about you. Um, there is a line. And I think excessive love of ourselves um, prevents us from being everything that God intends us to be. Um, it takes us, it puts us in a posture of um, rather than submitting ourselves to the one who made us, it's almost like we're asking God to bow down to us. Right, I don't, I don't think the worst sin. Yeah. Quote, air quotes. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, you know, what's your posture? Are you coming out of a humble posture? Like, or is it about you? Here's, here's a couple signs and the indicators of people who are, and it's an easy one to cross, an easy line to cross, confidence, being so confident, or you're confident in yourself versus the confidence that we were talking about earlier is from what we know to be true about God, how he feels about us. It's not about how we feel about ourselves, right? Because there's some days you get up out of the bed and you don't feel so good about yourself. Well, God, God doesn't, he's not one on feelings. God always sees worth in you. God always values you. God always loves you. God always thinks that, man, I'm sure glad I made even. You know, even though we don't always see ourselves, we look in the mirror and we're like, oh man, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> right? So, um, so a couple indicators of the having self-confidence because you know who you are in the Lord, you know you're a child of God and you're secure in that versus um, self-confidence that edges over toward arrogance and there's pride. Um, a couple of them are when you're in conversation with someone and they talk more about themselves, you hear, you hear, well, I, well, yeah, I know that's how I, or, or I remember when I, you know, and, and the conversation, you find yourself actually not having a two-way conversation, but that one person is consuming the conversation. So kind of needs, pardon? Like one upper. Another indicator, yeah. So if you have, if you have um, the ability to play flute, well then, that person can play the flute and 10 other instruments right. and is fine to talk more and more and more about that than rather interest in you and the flute, mm -hmm. right? So the conversation, you know, and it can be an email, it can be Facebook postings, it can be always, you know, it's about you. You're in every picture, even though you were, or you're referring to yourself and every, if you're just, in a Christ-centered world, <laughs> we are battling, it seems, the flesh, in, the flesh in us battles to still be number one in a Christ, in a Christ, um, in a world where we, we are seeking to honor God. We are seeking to be Christ-centered. 
yet we live in a me-centered world. And, and it's hard. It's an easy line to cross. An another indicator, you gave one. Another one that um, comes to my mind is, um, it's easier to throw somebody else under the bus than to own up to a mistake. You know, so, you know, you know that you maybe are falling short on something or it didn't work out like you were sure that it was going to. And so instead of taking ownership of it, like, you know, it's not like I'm even saying that they sinned. I'm not saying that they, things just didn't work out or, right. or whatever. Um, but instead of saying, oh man, I blew that. Right. You know, it's easier to say, well, you know, so-and-so would have done such and such, then, you know, I wouldn't be in this predicament, <laughs> right. you know, and all of that might be true. However, what's your posture? Is it about making other people look terrible so you look better? That's not, that's not the way Christ did it, right? right? It's not the way Christ lived by any means. I don't think we have to, when we are self-confident and we have esteem because of our relationship with Jesus, we do not need to toot our own horn. Right. Right. So, you know, the confidence, the line between confidence and pride is when you turn from understanding that you are worthy, you have worth, to because of God, and you start turning and crossing the line where it becomes you're putting yourself above others by you know with the indicators of you know turning the conversation towards yourself being the notorious one upper or you know not owning up to your mistakes with the purpose of you know making others look bad so you look good yeah That's i think that i think a, a person with a good esteem is interested not that god needs help with this but in, is interested in, in making God look good versus making themselves look good. It's like, look at all the things I do for the church versus I am serving the church. You know, it's like, yeah. I, oh, wow, I'm part of, you know, design team. I'm part of this, part of that. You know, I do all of this. I must be a good person. You know, I, I've heard from, from people, it's like doing the right thing for the wrong reasons is the same as doing the wrong thing. So if you're doing it, you know, if you're doing all this so that you look good in the church, you're not doing it right. You should be doing it so that you're serving God. Yeah, what's your motivation? Right. Like what you said earlier, what's your posture? Yeah. And with that, with the pride, that's one extreme of the self-confidence scale. You know, we, we've covered that. Now I want to move into the other extreme. And like, what would you say to someone who feels worthless or has suicidal thoughts? Um, well, well, first of all, what would I say? I think the first thing I would do would be listen. I don't know that I would say anything initially. I would um, seek to be a good listener. Probably the last thing they would need would be a lecture or a judgment from Pastor Tammy. Right. You know, I'd seek to... Um, try to put myself in their shoes, um, have compassion and empathy. Um, these are people who have suicidal thoughts, um, usually feel alone. And so I would, I would try to um, 
be sure that my listening and my presence would um, hopefully bring a level of um, a safe place. I would want to be a safe place. I would not criticize them for having the suicide. Oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Doesn't matter whether they should or shouldn't, they do, right? And so I'd want to listen. I'd want to create the safe place in conversation. Or if we're in person, um, you know, and they're in my office or in my home or, or I'm in one of theirs, um, just to be present, to be there. Um, I think also usually people who have tend to have suicidal thoughts um, battle depression, and which is a whole nother animal. Um, and they also feel very hopeless. So, you know, I, I guess um, I would remind them, you know, without preaching um, or lecturing, remind them that when, um, how God feels about them in different, I'd remind them through different ways. Um, I would encourage their dependence on God. I don't know that there's anything that I could say to them that would, um, well, I know there's nothing I could say that would be more important than for them to rely on the bigness of God. So to depend on God, I would encourage them to, um, if they're not in fellowship or in community with other believers, um, for help, for hope, for um, accountability, for friendship, um, I would definitely encourage that um, with other people. If they feel that they, they already are among those kind of people, they already do feel that they are praying and, and in God's word, um, for sure that's an indicator that the um, thoughts are very serious and, and probable depression and despair is um, deep. And oftentimes they need assistance. Most of the time, assistance is needed. Professional help is needed to help get them out of that. Um, it's a basement kind of thing. It's a basement to be, to be depressed and to have feelings of despair um, without any hope. That's a basement that you cannot climb the steps alone, typically. So I would stay with that person in per you know, face to face with them, or I would be on the phone with them. And I know that I would not hang up or leave that conversation without giving them um, resources um, through names of people, making the contact myself on their behalf, if needed, um, giving them verses, um, um, resources like ministries, focus on the family, um, and other specific ministries that address suicidal thoughts. Um, but for sure, I would be, um, I'd wanna be bearing, bringing hope, you know? Whether you have suicidal thoughts or not, you're gonna have days that um, you feel alone um, and you feel, you feel hopeless. Thankfully, though our feelings change, God's feelings do not change. And so relying on him, um, I'd read some scripture maybe with them, um, not to push or push away, but um, his word is going to bring more assurance, reassurance than really anything that I'm going to say. But I, I think the gift of presence, Ethan, 
is a big one for people who are feeling suicidal. Oftentimes, suicidal thoughts come when you're all by yourself. But they're not to be ignored. Right. It's like when, you know, when you are feeling that way, you know, being with people, having someone to talk to really, really helps. Yeah. Yes, it does. Even if the best thing, you know, is, is listening, you know, with the, because sometimes they can mean well and say something that just makes everything worse. <laughs> yeah, people, people with suicidal thoughts um, are selective listeners. They'll, they'll hear certain words someone will say and they're in their thinking because they're not at a good or right place in their thoughts. When you have suicidal thoughts, you're not thinking in a totally 100% healthy place. And so you're listening consequently, follow suit. And so you'll pick up on a word or you'll pick up on a phrase and you'll, your thoughts will kind of camp out there and you'll spend some time there and, and you know, that's often not good. Right, it's like, you know, you're, you're so heavy in your own head. You don't really hear what they're trying to say. It's like, yeah. it's like that's, that's not what I said. Like, that's what I heard, you know? Yeah. And then with that, it's like, really the best place is to listen, be there and, you know, help them to find ways to rely more on God, to have a better relationship with him, which throughout yeah. this whole interview, it's like, you know, understand God, what he is so that you can have the assurance of what you are. Right. You know, I would also add in um, the last part would be, I'd follow up with them, you know, and depending on the age of the person, um, making contact with, um, you know, if it's a young child in my professional, if it's a young child, and they're, they're making um, statements that sound very suicidal. Um, I have to let other people know about that. I have to. If I'm talking with a teenager, I can never make a promise that I'm never going to tell anybody about this conversation. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I believe God um, loves his people too much. That human life is very important to God. And... Um, so I would follow up with, with contacts, but I personally would also follow up with that person and pray, obviously on my own. And with this, we, we've talked about, you know, what we can do with, uh, when we're interacting with people who have suicidal thoughts. Um, and you've talked one way is to help them grow closer to God through, you know, leaning on him and stuff. That moves on into the next question: Is how we can, how can we use God's word to help with suicidal thoughts? How can we use the word to help us when we're feeling down, and how can we use it to help others when they're feeling this way? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, I think, Ethan, that the majority of the people in over the years that I've been in ministry or serving in some capacity, any conversations that I've had um, with these situations, with these feelings of people of all ages, you know, you can be young and you can be old, 
and feel hopeless. Um, I've had to rely on reading scripture because my words just, my words just didn't seem to be enough. And I think that's okay. <laughs> you know, um, and I would, I would read passages that would speak to them about their immeasurable value, how God feels about them. I would, um, I would speak on verses or read verses that would be hope-filled verses. One of my very favorites is um, Romans 15. And, and um, actually, I have it open to this near this chapter let me let me find it here Romans 15 verse 13 that's one of my favorites planned an event actually <laughs> based on this event or based on this verse it says Romans so Paul is saying the apostle Paul is saying this to the church in Rome okay I pray that God the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Romans 15, verse 13. So Paul's not just asking for just barely enough hope to get you through the day or the moment or the stress or the disappointment, you know. He's asking for... Um, an overflow of hope. And, and who is that source of hope? It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely. So if we know, and we do, I know Ethan, but if we know that God is indeed the source of hope, then why wouldn't we go and read the scripture? Right? So, but I would zero in on Zephaniah, for example. I love Zephaniah 3, verse 17, and that God is delighted with us. He sings over us with joy that he made us. And, and then I would probably Jeremiah 29, verse 11, which is a common verse talking about a hope that God promises, a hope with a future um, I would ask questions that would be like, um, and sometimes their answers really reveal if they are um, where they are in their suicidal thoughts, um, or if it's, it's just a major disappointment, not just a major disappointment, but if they're not, um, if it's not beyond repair, um, would be, you know, where do you see yourself, you know, when you graduate from high school? You know, if I'm talking with a child, you know, talking about, um, you know, what's their favorite day in, in school, in the whole school year. You know, if, if their minds are easily um, switched to another subject, you know, but I would talk about what their next day is, their next favorite, their favorite holiday, what they're going to do over the summer when the COVID is not here, <laughs> you know, like what. What do you have to look forward to? I'd ask them leading questions about that. What's been your favorite time that you've had with your family? Um, you know, kind of thing. But I would, I would point them and I would read those verses 
with them. I'd look it up, you know, and I just, I would take my Bible or take my Bible app and in front of them, show them how to find verses um, on hope, show them how to find verses on God's love for them, how he feels about them. Um, certainly Psalms 139 is a great, powerful chapter talking about how God feels about us and can often get us through. But but then there's also chapters, especially in Psalms, where it talks about, because King David was, um, he is a mess, you know, and many of the Psalms, it almost feels like there's more Psalms of complaint and woe and heartache, you know, and despair. Um, so, you know, God's word is very familiar with, with um, pain and loss and disappointing kind of feelings. So, I'd, I'd read them and I'd talk about them together, pray with them. But certainly, if there's, if there's any level even of suicidal thoughts and intentions, um, that's when you have to bring in professionals. You know, a professional counselor, a professional um, physician, um, a parent, depending on, you know, the, the situation, the age and everything. Um, a spouse, you know, you have to, you have to bring that in. Thank you, Pastor Tammy. This has been a great discussion that we've had talking about um, self-love, self-esteem, confidence, and how don't find that within yourself, find that within God, because God loves you, you should love you. And that con your confidence will turn into pride if you put yourself above others, and above God, which makes it the, air quotes, you know, worst sin. And to help people who are going through suicidal thoughts on the opposite end of the self-confidence scale, to, to help them listen to them, be there for them, and encourage them to go closer with God. And we, to use God's word to help them, you know, seek out scripture that talks about immeasurable worth and to also how i understand it that you know with psalms david does complain a lot he does talk a lot about bad stuff and to understand that you're not the only one who's gone through difficult times and that you know you're you're not alone in pain yeah scripture is very empathetic you know it, it's those people they're real life people been there done that um, God and God saw them through it. It's experienced. Right. <laughs> the scripture is experienced pain. And so you're not alone. And that's important because like you've said, people who are suicidal, one of the things that they do feel alone. So mm -hmm. helping the scripture to help them understand that, to help them get through, to help them rely on God with that. Oh, we're going to say something. Yeah, I was just thinking that um, that the comment that I made about when someone's talking about themselves a lot instead of about God, that sometimes um, it may not always be pride that motivates all this speech. It might actually be a call out for, I am very insecure. I don't have confidence um, in myself. I, I am not certain of how um, 
you know, my value to the Lord. I'm not certain of that. And so if I sound kind of tooting my own horn, if I'm, I'm talking more about myself than about anybody else or about God, it's probably, it could be an indicator, you know, of either I'm so full of myself that it's just leaking out of me, right? Or um, I'm searching for worth. I'm searching for value. Right. If I sound worthy, I will, I, other people will think I'm worthy. Yeah. And, and when, if you pull back all the layers there, you, you find out that that person's really quite insecure, you know, in that. And so, you know, uh, once again, listening, asking, converse, converse, having conversation with the person caring enough about them um, and seek to see them the way God sees them, not judging without a lecture. Uh, this has been a really great discussion. Pastor Tammy, glad to have you on the show or a podcast, whatever. You know, it's not really <laughs> a show, but you know. Good to be here. Thank you. And with that, would you like to pray us out? You know it. You know it. God, I thank you for um, your goodness. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, that from the beginning to the end that your word is wise and it's perfect, and um, the timing is always spot on. So God, I pray now that the words that were um, brought out today would reflect um, the words of the scripture, that um, then those words, Father, would um, find um, themselves to be heard by people who really need encouragement from you, who really need um, some help, who really need a friend, who need hope, and so, God, I pray that these words would not be in vain that were spoken today. We know your word is never um, wasted, that you don't waste a thing. So, God, our time together may it not be wasted either. God, I pray for um, a blessing over Ethan and this ministry. And I thank you that he does love you. He does have an assurance of the love that you have for him and that he seeks to bring encouragement into other people's lives. Would you just bless him, God, and bless this ministry? Thank you, Father, for um, loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.